Welcome to Pop Culture Legends, a miniseries from Digital Dissection, a nerd podcast. Pop Culture Legends explores the spaces in between mainstream and esoteric across the world of media. There's a lot to unbox across video games, movies, TV, and comic books. We hope you enjoy the spaces in between those spaces. Today we cover how a 2003 Los Angeles murder was presumably solved. But what came next was a story worthy of Hollywood itself. Join us as we connect the dots between a Major League Baseball organization, a hit TV show, and how both would contribute to an exoneration from death row. According to the Innocence Project, an estimated 1% of the U.S. prison population is wrongfully convicted. This number is a conservative one based off of DNA exonerations. However, with improving technologies and forensic methods, more new cases are solved each day. Numbers provided by the Equal Justice Initiative state that since 1980, there have been over 2,500 overturned convictions, 367 of which were proven through DNA evidence. With only 1.5% of U.S. prosecutor offices having conviction integrity units, there is no margin for error. In the case of Juan Catalan, DNA wouldn't be the presented evidence used to prove that he had committed a crime. In August of 2003, Catalan would be arrested while commuting to work at his father's machine tool shop. He would be arrested by the Los Angeles Police Department through their special investigation team known as the Death Squad. This team specifically had a multi-million dollar budget. Their reputation was that of getting things done. And often, their suspects disappeared into the justice system. Juan was being tailed by the LAPD's best, and they weren't about to let him get away. Naturally, Catalan would be confused, as well as his wife and daughter who were with him during his commute. None of the events made sense, and Juan would be held by authorities while having no clue what crime he had committed. By the time he learned that homicide was the charge, the evidence against him that would be presented was a police sketch that perfectly fit his description, and witnesses who would further point him out in their available portable mugshot catalogs. And all Juan could think was, that's not me. That's not me. The murder Juan was being accused of was that of 16-year-old Martha Puebla. On May 12, 2003, roughly three months earlier, Martha was shot in the face at point-blank range in the 7600 block of Case Avenue in Sun Valley. The events of the evening, according to Puebla's family, was that they had met together for dinner and she was asked to step outside to speak to someone Martha knew, but no one else in the family was familiar with. Moments later, she would be dead, and witnesses could only produce a rough description. Their suspect was 19 to 25 years of age, was at or around 5 foot 10 inches, and had short hair and a mustache. They assumed this person was a gang member, but this was based off of Sun Valley having a heavy amount of gang activity. The only additional information police gathered from witnesses would be details that led to the sketch that would eventually match Juan Catalan's description. Police, in an effort to move quickly on this case, already had the Catalan family earmarked for a murder investigation, 
it would be involving Juan's brother Mario and a notable gang member named Jose Ledesma. Authorities had held Mario and Jose for committing a double murder earlier that year and had questioned Martha Puebla concerning those events. Through the grapevine, Ledesma would learn about Puebla speaking to the cops, and investigators theorized that he had arranged her death from behind bars. Their man on the outside to take out Martha could seemingly have been 24-year-old Juan Catalan. The LAPD's theory, when combined with an almost perfect sketch of Juan, seemed like a slam dunk, and the possibility of a retaliatory connected murder meant that the death penalty was now on the table. Juan, however, had insisted that he was innocent from the moment he was arrested by the LAPD's specialty force, and never wavered throughout his entire time being held. Interrogators time and time again brought every tactic they could to get Juan to confess, and no matter what the LAPD had in store, he stuck to his story. The reason being is that he had an alibi that placed him at a Los Angeles Dodgers game the night of May 12, 2003. Authorities didn't seem to believe Catalan's claims, and five months after being arrested, all his defense team had were the ticket stubs from the game, an 11-4 Dodgers loss to the Atlanta Braves. Catalan's lawyer, Todd Melnick, was months deep in having his team analyze footage from the game, as his seats were well within where TV coverage would pan into the stands. For a moment, Melnick thought they had all the evidence they needed, as the section Catalan and his daughter sat in would actually end up making the broadcast. Unfortunately, however, the footage was far grainier than would be admissible in court. A man matching Juan's description was visibly there, captured by Major League Baseball's cameras. But unfortunately, not enough to definitively show that it was him. If there were any other way to prove that Juan had attended this game, it would need to come from another source. Oddly enough, not only was another source available, it would come courtesy of HBO. Juan would remember during this footage search that the late comedian Bob Einstein was in attendance the evening of this specific game. He had overheard the information that portions of Larry David's show, Curb Your Enthusiasm, specifically was shooting that night, and that David and Einstein were only rows behind them. Melnick would connect with the Dodgers' media relations, and within a short time would be reviewing the hit show's footage from that evening. Pressure was mounting. If Juan was seen on this film, not only would he be exonerated, he'd avoid the death penalty. The footage from HBO hadn't actually aired yet, and the then-unused footage not only was timestamped for May 12th, but also the exact time down to the hour, minute, and second with each frame. With Melnick desperately hoping to spot Catalan, finally, he'd hit the moment they'd been waiting for since Juan's arrest. In an article with the Los Angeles Times, Melnick would later say, Lo and behold, there's my client, his daughter, and two friends. I jumped out of my chair. As a cherry on top, additional footage was also available showing Juan and his daughter from behind the scenes. 
Larry David would later say in an interview, we looked him up with everything from the stadium, all the footage we shot that night. I'm there for maybe five minutes. And the lawyer screams out, there he is. We couldn't believe it. We rewound the tape. And just as I'm walking up the aisle in one shot, this guy is sitting right there. And then there was another shot where he was standing up. Armed with this case-breaking evidence and Juan's cell phone data from that night, all charges were dropped, and Juan would once again be a free man. His wrongly convicted time in prison would further lead to an investigation and a lawsuit against the city of Los Angeles, culminating in a $320,000 payoff for Catalan. In terms of Martha Puebla, however, this meant that a killer was still on the loose, and fortunately, the investigation would continue. While the LAPD's handling of the case brought forward a theory that Martha's murder was a hit ordered from behind bars, they were partially correct. Jose Ledesma had indeed ordered a fellow gang member to kill her in front of her home, but come at the hands of Raul Robledo, who bore a resemblance to Juan Catalan. As it would turn out, Jose Ledesma only knew of Martha Puebla speaking to police after seeing a photo of his mugshot circled with the initials MP. Martha had in turn testified at a hearing in the murder case against Ledesma, although her involvement only went so far as suggesting that he was a potential suspect. Theories even arose that she had no intention of helping authorities, but regardless of this fact, she was labeled as a snitch by Ledesma and his gang, the Vineland Boys. The LAPD, in turn, had forged documents to use Puebla's very inconsequential testimony as a means of getting Ledesma to confess. They had faked his photo being circled, Puebla's signature, and her statement. Not only had the LAPD arrested the wrong man, they had also inadvertently caused the death of Martha, and a separate case against the city would be filed by her family. The truth of this case, despite the glaring mistakes made by police, is simple. If Juan Catalan hadn't attended a fateful Dodgers game, he could be waiting for certain death in a Los Angeles prison. The story behind these events is truly worthy of Hollywood, and would go on to be memorialized in the Netflix documentary Longshot, alongside hundreds of articles. It's a lesson that it's not enough to be innocent. Sometimes you need a little help. While it's a harrowing tale of wrongful imprisonment and gang violence, it also paints what detectives are willing to do to solve cases. While we can't bring Martha Puebla back to life, we at least know the truth of what happened to her. Juan Catalan lost almost a half a year of his life, but in the end, he remains a dedicated father and has continued to attend Dodgers games whenever possible. And who could blame him? You never know when it could save your life. And with that, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pop Culture Legends, a digital dissection miniseries. Be on the lookout for future episodes as we explore the relative unknown, as some of pop culture's stories lie just outside mainstream periphery. If you like this short story, why not like, subscribe, and comment as part of the digital dissection community? Follow us on Facebook 
Twitter, Instagram, as well as our dynamic content on YouTube. Tell us what you think. We'd love to hear from you at digitaldissectionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep on dissecting. And if you're innocent of a crime, never back down, no matter what the authorities say. <laughs>